I never got any money from you. Be normal. And now, Mr. Edwards, I would like to make a disclosure, which is something which has never been revealed to the public. This is The Saucer Life, exploring the history and lore of flying saucers. The Saucer Life is a podcast in which we look at concepts, events, or people orbiting the world of flying saucers. Few preconceptions, snark when justified, no belief, no debunking, no present-day political content. This is The Disclosure President. Yes, the question mark is part of the title. So for those of you who, based on my comments of last time, were expecting Dana Howard, sorry, we put her off for a week or for an episode slot. Why? Well, quite simply, as we're recording this in mid-April 2020, I will say that working from home has not created the massive amount of free time that I expected, uh, quite the opposite. So having run out of time to do Ms. Howard justice, I decided to do, uh, that returning to some things I've written in two different contexts in the past would be interesting. So what we have here in updated form, and um, to sound more like one of our usual episodes and hopefully less like a conference paper, is um, a conference paper that I delivered back in 2010 or so, I think, entitled The Disclosure President, Barack Obama's 2008 Presidential Campaign and the Exopolitics Movement. Now, we'll probably be doing an episode on the disclosure and exopolitics movements at some point, but I will be providing a, a bit of you know context on that as we go. So why present this material? Well, I thought it might be interesting to give you a glimpse of the way I've been able to talk about or talk to scholarly groups about some of this saucer-related stuff in the past. In this case, if my notes are correct, this was uh, for the National Conference of the Popular Culture Association, American Culture Association, their joint conference. And uh, I used chunks of this in my book, Extraterrestrials and the American Zeitgeist, as well. So in contrast to that, sort of the second part, sort of the end part of that that I'm going to segue into is something from my second book, The Chaos Conundrum, where I sort of speculate about what would have happened, about what would have happened if Obama had been the disclosure president and how that might have gone. While I feel a bit guilty about recycling material, I know about how many people have bought my books and about how many people listen to this show. I did some math, and I'm confident that this will be new material to about 98% of you. And for structural purposes, I'm going to uh, slip this bit in here now. You can check out past episodes, uh, read some reviews of saucer-related stuff, and support the show at saucerlife.com. Thank you very much to those who've donated in the past and, and in the last uh, last couple of weeks. It's it's much much appreciated, and I know that uh, I, I know that money is is not growing on trees. Um, well, it's growing on trees even less these days. Uh, we're on Twitter and Instagram at saucerlife, or you can email us at thesaucerlife at gmail.com. You can contact us by post at Media. P.O. Box 68, Grand Blank, Michigan, 48480. And uh, the show is available uh, anywhere you can uh, you can find podcasts. If you didn't know that, um, that means you're either listening at saucerlife.com or somehow we've beamed this directly into your consciousness, which uh, I'm working on. So this being a presidential and House of Representatives election year here in the United States, the first since we've started the show, we'll be covering some of the overlap between saucers and 
especially presidential election politics. Don't worry. We'll be doing so in a way that avoids becoming either political or polemical. Now, let's set the Wayback Machine for a time that actually isn't too way back, 2008, and look at the question of the potential for Barack Obama to have been the disclosure president. It is inevitable that as time and knowledge progress, new fields of learning and research will rise to address the needs of the academy and the public. Unbeknownst to many in the worlds of history and political science, such a thing happened in the early 21st century. It's called exopolitics, and according to one of its main proponents, Dr. Michael Sala, it's pretty amazing. Exopolitics is the study of key individuals, political institutions, and processes associated with extraterrestrial life. Information concerning extraterrestrial life and technology is kept secret from the general public, elected political representatives, and even senior military officials. Now, a detailed study of the exopolitics movement is beyond the scope of what we're doing here today, but in general, supporters of the exopolitics movement, which I think I will end up calling exopoliticians at various times today, uh, they believe that the disclosure of information concerning alien visitations involves battling a truth embargo held in place by shadowy forces within the military-industrial intelligence complex. Now, exopolitics has positioned itself as a new field of political science. Its trappings are academic and scholarly. If you read um, some exopolitics white papers, and they use that phrase white papers often, you will see lots of footnotes. So it sort of makes itself sound like, oh, this is like political science, but with aliens. But in general, um, it's just good old-fashioned alien conspiracy thinking. Shadowy figures are out there hiding reality-changing truths while noble, misunderstood, ridiculed heroes fight to expose these truths to a deluded populace. Sometimes you also see the word sheeple thrown around. The problems of war, environmental degradation, disease, all of these could be solved if those at the top of whatever dark cabal is keeping everything secret just stopped doing so, and disclosed everything. While this conspiratorial thinking pervades the exopolitics movement, it has been especially visible in that movement since the 2008 presidential campaign and subsequent election of Barack Obama. So when then-Senator Obama uh, and his campaign made a number of of promises and uh, assertions and assurances of transparency in his administration as opposed to the uh, what the perceived lack of transparency in the previous eight years of the George W. Bush administration, exopolitics proponents latched onto that as a, a sort of veiled, sort of sneakily veiled signal that he would be open to revealing the truth about all the alien technology that the cabal had been hiding. They believed that he could be the president who would finally end the truth embargo and reveal what they saw as the reality of extraterrestrial visitation to the people of the earth. When back before he was the nominee, when the Democratic presidential field was, was wide open, however, exopoliticians held up two other candidates as viable battlers of this truth embargo. One was Bill Richardson 
from New Mexico, the Roswell State. Um, in an interview, he told MSNBC's Chris Matthews with regard to the UFO question, quote, the federal government has not come clean at all on that issue, and it should, end quote. This resulted in um, what we used to call a tizzy uh, among uh, some groups. Even more exciting, and this is the only context in which um, Ohio's Dennis Kucinich has ever been discussed as exciting. Um, Kucinich claimed to have sighted a triangle-shaped UFO and was was open about this. The story was originally um, reported in the Cleveland Plain Dealer, and it surfaced again in um, an October 30th, 2007 Democratic candidate debate of all places. And as if that were not spectacular enough, exopolitical people, exopolitical uh, that's a weird pronunciation. People like Michael Sala um, sort of sort of talked about the the account of Kucinich's tale um, as it was told by New Age mainstay Shirley MacLaine, who reported that Kucinich quote said he felt a connection and in his heart and heard directions in his mind. End quote. In most contexts, a candidate saying such things would probably not be the best idea, but. To those in this branch of the UFO field, they um, this was like this was like just throwing chum in the water. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. But when the dust cleared, it was Senator Barack Obama and Senator John McCain who ended up being the major party candidates in 2008. One exopolitical figure who went on the offense to capture the candidates' attention was Stephen Bassett. Bassett, as he um, actually never stopped reminding people, was, and maybe still is, uh, I can't be bothered to check, the only registered lobbyist in the United States who deals exclusively with UFO issues. Although I think I heard someone else say they were getting into the UFO lobbyist um, business. I almost said uh, scam. Then I said, no, no, I shouldn't say scam. Then I almost said grift and thought, well, that, that might be worse. Um business, the UFO lobbying business. UFO might just as well stand for unprecedented financial opportunity. Thank you, Jane. It's been a while since uh, since we heard that. So Bassett um, gets, uh, gets out there. And um, in October of 2008, you know, a month, be the month before the election, uh, Bassett wrote an open letter to the two candidates in which he challenged them to come clean on the UFO issue. As president-elect, in the spring of 2009, before the truth embargo becomes your embargo, initiate disclosure of the extraterrestrial presence and begin rebuilding the trust of the American people in their government and the standing of your country in the world. Bassett here explicitly links the disclosure of extraterrestrial truths to wider issues of national prestige and public confidence. Like thousands of conspiracy theorists before him, Bassett focuses on one specific magic bullet to solve numerous complex problems. Ending the truth embargo, for Bassett, is the key issue that would change the United States for the better. Exopolitics, far from being an innovation in a scholarly field, simply reiterates well-worn cliches. Exiting from the scholarly mode here, the exopolitics movement is basically what you get if you put a contactee and NICAP's Donald Kehoe into that machine from the fly. It's the hardcore government cover-up stuff with a healthy dose of the aliens are friendly and can help us solve our problems sort of thinking. So, during the period between Obama's election and inauguration, exopoliticians examined every aspect of the 
transition from President Bush to President Obama for evidence of a disclosure-friendly attitude from the president-elect and his staff. As often happens in conspiratorial thinking, the slightest connections and parallels are explained as conclusive proof of whatever the theorist's theory is. One such example from Obama's transition period was the appointment of John Podesta as the co-chair of the president-elect's transition team. John Podesta had long been a sainted figure for the exopolitics movement. He had been Bill Clinton's chief of staff for the last two years of his presidency and had a role in penning Executive Order 12958, which declassified millions of pages of national security and diplomatic documents. Some um, optimistic UFO researchers of the 1990s believed that the order was part of a broader effort by the Clinton administration to disclose government secrets about extraterrestrial life and technology. New directives have since superseded that order, but for exopoliticians, Podesta remains a link to that mythical effort to reveal the truth. Podesta's work on the Obama transition was thus seen by exopoliticians, like Michael Sala, as evidence that the nascent Obama administration was seeking an opportunity to revive the Clinton-era disclosure efforts. In Hillary Clinton's 2016 campaign, which also involved John Podesta, we would see these sorts of themes arise again. In a January 2009 article about Podesta's influence, um, Sala brings up the fact that in 2002, Podesta made a statement at the National Press Club um, regarding the legality of UFO information that had been classified. He said the following, quote, I think it's time to open the books on questions that have remained in the dark on the question of government investigation of UFOs. It's time to find out what the truth really is that's out there. We ought to do it because it's right. We ought to do it because the American people, quite frankly, can handle the truth. And we ought to do it because it's the law. So, End quote. So when Podesta made statements like that in 2002, that, you know, honestly, I'm not going to fault people like Michael Sala for thinking that, you know, something might actually get uh, get going here. Now, in this article, Sala does acknowledge that uh, Obama had at that point only made one sort of joking response to a reporter's question about whether or not he'd tell everybody about the UFOs. And um, Sala's brief article concludes with this statement. As Obama will quickly learn, issues concerning UFOs and extraterrestrial life are no laughing matter to the national security establishment. UFO files continue to remain very highly classified, with even presidents denied need-to-know access, as evidenced by FOIA documents. President Obama needs only to ask Hillary Clinton at the State Department and Leon Panetta at the CIA just how difficult it is for presidents to gain access. In John Podesta, Obama has a strong ally who he can call on for help in getting to the bottom of the UFO mystery. In another article a few days later, Sala promoted the fact that um, Admiral Dennis Blair had been appointed uh, Obama's incoming director of national intelligence. Um, Admiral Blair would be presenting the president with his daily intelligence briefings. Admiral Blair's career indicates to Sala that he clearly will be briefing Obama on UFO-related issues. As a former commander of the Hawaii-based U.S. Pacific Fleet, Admiral Blair has knowledge of the underwater UFO activity witnessed near Hawaii and elsewhere in the Pacific Ocean. 
Blair's position and naval experience indicates that he will at some point brief Obama on UFOs and extraterrestrial life. That seems a little optimistic. So in that first clip from Sala that you heard, uh, they mentioned Leon Panetta. So the appointment of Leon Panetta as director of central intelligence had a similar effect as the appointment of, of uh, John Podesta and Admiral, uh, Admiral Blair. Panetta had been President Clinton's chief of staff prior to John Podesta and supposedly a huge fan of the X-Files television show. Panetta, apparently, wanted to open up, quote, the real X-Files, housed within various bureaucracies, and reveal the truth of extraterrestrial visitation to the public. Sala believed that, taken together, the appointments of both Podesta and Panetta indicated, quote, a coordinated effort by former Clinton-era figures to steer the Obama administration towards locating and declassifying UFO files. So what Sala is doing is focusing his attention on these two aspects of these men's careers that are, are nearly unknown outside the ranks of UFO researchers. One, Podesta, for composing an executive order, and the other, for being a fan of the show that, honestly, millions of people were fans of. Yes, Podesta made some comments about, you know, yes, everything that can be declassified about UFOs should be. But if you look at the sheer number of people in government who have said similar things over the years— a lot of people have paid lip service to the idea of, yeah, yeah, there's some stuff out there people should probably know. Um, that hasn't resulted necessarily in uh, in disclosure. But from the, these, these two aspects of these men's careers, he's constructed a narrative of disclosure where uh, both Podesta and Panetta are sort of divorced from their bureaucratic and political realities. For Sala and other exopolitical buffs, activists, scholars, the truth embargo regarding government knowledge of extraterrestrial life is the story of American politics. It's, it's the thing that's happening. These thinkers do discuss other issues, war and peace, the, the economy, the environment, but all these issues, however, are almost unfailingly placed within the narrower context of the alien truth embargo. The discussion of, of any other political issue on the horizon tends to adhere to the following structure. First, the government truth embargo on knowledge of alien life and alien technology, now in the hands of the U.S. government, were it lifted, could solve fill-in-the-blank issue, troubling our nation and world. Second, there is afoot right now an effort by well-meaning, well-placed government officials to reveal this information to the American people. And finally, three, this effort will eventually, obviously, go astray due to the political manipulations of those within the military-political intelligence complex. Perhaps the most extravagant and expansive example of this um, in the years prior to the Obama era was uh, Dr. Stephen Greer's May 9th, 2001, quote, briefing at the National Press Club, where he assembled a variety of alleged whistleblowers to share their stories and call for open congressional hearings on the issue of the government ET cover-up. The whistleblowers were, were kind of a motley crew, ranging from very straight-laced, uncomfortable-looking retired military officers who, who came across as very, very credible with really interesting information, to those who were slightly less credible, talking about alien bodies they had seen in the course of their military duties. 
the congressional hearings never really happened, although some fake congressional hearings would uh, would result in in later years. We'll talk about that at some point. Greer blamed um, the uh, suppressed and censored media for ignoring this event as being the reason why um, these things never really came to pass. Now, that's not to say that the, I hate this phrase, mainstream media didn't cover the event. Here um, is a little bit from a article in the Washington Post from May 9th, 2001 by Joel Achenbach um, with the headline, They're Out There. Achenbach uh, concluded his article by presenting the following two options to readers. We have to decide as a rational people which is the more likely scenario. One, intelligent creatures have piloted spaceships across trillions of miles in response to our discovery of nuclear weaponry. They hide, except when they decide to show themselves. Secret forces within our government has masterfully covered up the alien presence for half a century, duping the media and the scientific community, although sometimes the cover-up is imperfect, which is why at Safeway you can buy Chef Boyardee flying saucers and aliens canned pasta. People like Stephen Greer, the crusading emergency room physician, have seen through the lies and are going to help us reach the era of cosmic brotherhood. Two, some people believe in things that aren't actually true. You make the call. Ouch. But things changed, right, in 2008. Barack Obama appealed to those conspiracy mongers for many of the same reasons he appealed to many voters in the 2008 election. His campaign traded on promises of change and a new direction for American politics and foreign policy. The exopolitics movement, made up of people who viewed American politics and foreign policy through a lens of a well-worn UFO political conspiracy, simply viewed these promises through that same lens. Like many special interest groups, they sometimes lose sight of the politics of Washington, D.C. They overlook the very real restraints on a president's power. Where the exopolitical scholars are often different from those who want forward momentum on healthcare reform or actions to combat climate change is their particularly conspiracy-laden reasoning used to explain why these goals might not have been realized. There's another aspect to this, uh, this, this sort of promoting of Barack Obama as, a, as the ideal disclosure candidate and disclosure president. Just as voters, the media, and pundits um, very excitedly discussed the possibility and somewhat, or not somewhat, but subsequent reality of the first African-American president, exopolitical thinkers wove Obama's ethnicity into their master narrative of disclosure. In the February 2010 issue of Washington Monthly, Stephen Bassett, the ET lobbyist, uh, told this to reporter Daniel Fromson. If you're going to go to the world and say, we have been keeping from you the most profound information in history for six decades, and it so happens that that world is predominantly brown, it might help a lot if the president who was telling them was brown. These are significant assets, all right? You can't really tell because I'm recording this and not presenting it live, but there was a very long pause after I read that quotation, um, especially the, these are significant assets, all right, part of what Bassett was saying. Um, it seems odd, kind of off-putting, kind of strange for um, for a, a UFO lobbyist to sort of reductively sort of look at complex issues of race and ethnicity 
and say, yeah, this is a significant asset for getting the story out there about UFOs. It just seems kind of weird. A year earlier, in 2009, um, Nathan, um, a commenter on Bassett's website, asserted the following. Barack Obama is the best person to disclose whether or not UFOs exist for these reasons. His black, white, and Asian heritage will allow people the world over to feel comfortable with him making the announcement, and he is ignorant, that is, not in the know, to the issue and will be able to dodge accusations about being involved in cover-ups and not telling the public sooner. Like me, you may be confused about the whole Asian heritage thing. Um, Barack Obama's mother did marry a man from Indonesia, and Obama lived in Indonesia for a while. So I'm not sure if that is an Asian heritage, uh, but uh, I, I will not get too upset. So Obama's ethnicity, previous career, his appointees are all seized upon in these dialogues uh, to shed light on this tapestry of the story surrounding him. Barack Obama, for some of these UFO, exo, political people, is a man of destiny right down to his very DNA. And this is a familiar notion to those who've studied some of the conspiracy theories surrounding Obama. Quote, he surrounded himself with radicals. He's a secret Muslim. And my personal favorite, that Obama had been groomed from birth to be president by a shadowy cabal of Soviet communists. That is, um, that is a real idea that was out there. Part and parcel of conspiracy theories is that what we see before us has been planned for far longer than anyone could imagine. Happenstance, luck, accidents hold little meanings for the conspiracy theorist. Thus, what the exopoliticians did in constructing their theory about Obama being the guy to disclose things is not unique. But exopolitics has, however, inverted the tropes of Obama-based conspiracy theories. His ethnicity is a boon, not a threat. His political associates are paragons of disclosure and openness rather than denizens of radical anti-American extremism. His every utterance is dissected for signs of a new dawn rather than proof that he's a closet communist or imminent Islamofascist. Unlike most political conspiracy narratives, the exopolitical movement presents an essentially optimistic and positive vision of Barack Obama. Optimistic also is exopolitics' vision of the future. It's a future where people have access to unimaginable technology, free energy, and a pristine world and a place in a peaceful interstellar community. It's a Star Trek world. And if we look past the stargazing naivete, we see something interesting and significant. What we have in the exopolitics movement is a rare thing, a conspiracy theory with a happy ending. Exopolitical activists' response to the presidency of Barack Obama was a compelling counterpoint to the Obama-phobia present on the fringes of American political culture. Thanks to these exopolitical thinkers, we can view Barack Obama as sort of a conspiratorial counterweight, a figure who exists for no other reason than to demolish the walls of silence that have surrounded the ET question for over 60 years, for that is what exopolitics sort of um, presented him as. What is, what is the point of President Obama? Well, he's the guy who's going to end the truth embargo. So sort of segueing into the next thing, what, what if these claims were true? What kind of world would that be? Analysis of the exopolitics phenomenon has generally led me to the conclusion that it represents, like I said, more than anything, sort of a, a contactism viewed through this conspiratorial worldview, back to NICAP's charges against the Air Force. 
as a thought experiment, though, and I, I did this in in my con- uh, Chaos Conundrum book. Uh, what if what if the the exopolitical movement was right about Obama? They were excited by his election as an American of mixed racial heritage uh, who promised openness, transparency, and change. He seemed, at least to exopolitics enthusiasts, like the ideal politician to reveal the truth about the extraterrestrial presence to the world. He had X-Files fans on his staff. Everything was pointing to Obama being the man who would finally end the cover-up. So let's imagine that he had. In January 2009, days after his inauguration, President Obama addressed the nation. He told the American people and the world about the long association between the United States and extraterrestrial polities. He discussed the history of the cover-up and the vast array of fantastic technology the United States and other major powers had been hoarding. It's a masterful speech. Obama is a fine orator. But the consequences of it are a bit out of line with what exopolitics crowds expected. Far from uniting the American people, the acknowledge of extraterrestrial life further divides them. The old cliched fear that religious Americans would be unable to cope with the knowledge that extraterrestrial life exists proved mostly unfounded. The Roman Catholics, mainline Protestant denominations, Jewish authorities, leading Islamic scholars quickly find ample precedent for incorporating this knowledge into their worldview. Fundamentalist evangelical Protestants, um, the group that, for example, Art Bell was always convinced would melt down if aliens uh, were proven to be real, uh, they're mostly concerned with the mission opportunities and how to market their megachurches to these new aliens. The division isn't cultural as much as it is political. Republican leaders quickly pounce on the president's speech, pointing out that he spent more time blaming Republican administration for the cover-up than accepting responsibility for the culpability of Democratic administrations. Citizens in the nation's already suffering industrial areas worried about the impact of ET technology on their jobs. Proponents of more stringent immigration restrictions suddenly have an entirely new set of concerns. Journalists and commentators speculate on the timing of the announcement. Was the new president simply trying to distract attention from the continuing fiscal crisis? In short, I don't think a stunning announcement about the existence not only of extraterrestrials, but of our nation's decades-long cover-up of them would have as drastic an impact as one might think. Faith in our government and our religious institutions will not be undermined, at least not undermined any more than their own actions have always caused them to underbe, to underbe, to be undermined. Political bickering will not cease. Our rapid technological advancement is already taking us into uncharted territory. Aliens, in fact, might prove to be anticlimactic. But it's all a moot point, really. There's no evidence that exopolitics is produced that I find particularly compelling. Their insistence on anthropomorphizing extraterrestrials is, is kind of frustrating me. They always place them in these galactic councils and are talking about diplomacy with alien nations. And it just occurred to me that we really need to do an episode on the miniseries and show Alien Nation, which might have been the first thing that Fox really did that wasn't The Simpsons or Beverly Hills 90210. If not, it was close. Anyway, the insistence that Alien politics will work just like international politics, except with aliens instead of, I don't know, the French, um, presents some as, as kind of immature and unlikely. Also, their view of the political system is a bit naive 
reminds me of the old editorial in the Onion website, somebody should do something about all the problems or something like that. You know, why don't they just announce the aliens are real and then everything can just get good again? On the other hand, I see the disclosure field as having some utility as a jumping off point for speculation and examination of our own terrestrial political systems, which are bizarre and out of touch enough without bringing space people into the picture. Now, in the years since I first put these ideas down in those early books, the exopolitics and disclosure movements have developed significantly. They've been joined by the thematically similar, although often um, sillier, breakaway civilization secret space program crowd, and there have been some political elements to that as well. As I said earlier in the episode, we will be looking at some presidential election-based UFO stuff between now and November, but don't worry, the saucers will far outweigh the politics, even in those episodes. Thanks for listening. In the show notes, you can find the original bibliographic references for the original Disclosure President paper I delivered. Um, a warning, most of the websites are uh, defunct, but you can use the uh, the Internet Archive to find those. And I also want to give a big thank you to my erstwhile editor and publisher, uh, Paul Kimball, for permission to reuse some of that material from the Chaos Conundrum. You can find links to purchase that book and Extraterrestrials and the American Zeitgeist in the show notes. Next time, Dana Howard, I promise, unless I break that promise. The associate producer of The Saucer Life is Simpson J. Hanover III. The Saucer Life is a production of Chizo Media LLC. Chizo Media, working for the good of mankind along the lines of truth. Until next time, vote. <laughs>